What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I am your host, as always, Jack Vita. We are back here on a Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. Bowl season is just about to start, and we are going to do our alternative take on bowl season and the college football playoff today. I have put together a 24-team college football playoff. You can find the entire bracket in its entirety and print off a bracket, fill it out, tweet it at me, at Jack Vita Show. Go to jackvita.com where I put together four potential alternative college football brackets. If we were to expand this playoff, I took a look and said, all right, committee proposed a 12-team playoff. This is what it would look like using their rules. This is my idea of what a 12-team could look like. I did a 16, and I also did a 24. And the 24, I think, is the most fun. It's the most exciting. It's about the right amount of percentage. It's very comparable to what the field of March Madness is, which is about 18.4, 18.5% of the 360 teams that play D1 basketball. This is about 185 one percent it's somewhere in that 18 percent of the 130 fbs schools that we have so proportionately it makes a lot of sense i think it'd be a lot of fun so today i put together our bracket again you guys can find this bracket in its entirety and all my other brackets at jackvita.com also had a great conversation last week with jody wincheski she talked all about reality TV casting. She competed on The Amazing Race, and she's worked in casting for reality shows for the past 10 years. Uh, Very interesting chat. Next week, I'm going to speak with former University of Florida football legend and NFL lineman Brad Culpepper. So make sure you guys are subscribed to this show. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show, wherever it is that you are getting and listening to this podcast. And at this time, I'd like to welcome in the men joining me today. I'm I love this trio that we got right here. First and foremost, Andrew Stem returning to the show. Welcome back, Andrew. Well, thanks, Jack. Always good to to be here talking college sports with you. It's the uh, it's the best time of year, and combining two of my favorite things here: uh, tournament brackets and college football. All right, very very good. And then we also have uh, joining us once again. I think this is maybe the sixth or seventh time we've had him on the program. Uh, we spoke about a couple months back. Chad Vaughtherine, he's also a college football nut. Welcome back, Chad. Jack, I'm I'm always happy to be here. I really appreciate you having me again. So yeah, this is going to be a really fun day, and I've, we have a lot to talk about besides the actual bracket itself, so I'm excited to get into that. Chad, what did you think when you looked at this bracket? What were your thoughts? 24 teams, is it too much? Could we do it? See, I, there's a couple of things that, I've thought of, and I've had this conversation with other people before. One thing about 24 teams is that that is a lot of football. And there's conversations of people maybe extending the college football season, extending conference player, or cutting it down. There's people on both sides of the fence. But I think with this, you would probably have to at least take away one uh, non-conference, uh, pre, you know, uh, regular season game. And then, may, but maybe even two, because, you know, 14, 15 games that some of these teams will play. That's a lot of football. And you already have seen people who are on the cusp of making it to the NFL, uh, not even playing bowl games. And so it's, it's less significant. Now, obviously a big playoff bracket like this, that, you know, increases the meaning of each game, 
But I think the number of games for college football seasons would change if there's a 2014 bracket. Uh, conference games will definitely uh, – if, if you change the number of that, that's also going to add more significance and importance. One thing also, Jack, is that I think if they're setting up a ranking, because right now these are based off of your rankings, I know, but if you're looking at the college football playoff rankings, then they're creating the t- – uh, of football rankings for top four teams. But if you create a rankings for 24 teams, I think you see just based off the history of the committee, more power five teams ranked above some of these group five teams that sneak their way into the top 25. So I think the ranking uh, landscape will look a lot different if you're creating a ranking based off of 24 uh, ter- teams for a tournament versus just four. Well, the thing that would be different is in this proposed playoff idea that I have every conference champion would get an automatic bid. So you have 10 automatic bids and then 14 at-large bids. Now, some of the some of the at-large bids that I put in here, such as Houston or Fresno State, committee probably is going to favor a team like Wake Forest or maybe Texas A&M or a team like that, even Wisconsin. You can just take a look at how they've ranked these teams. Uh, but we, we move along. Do you think this is something that we could see, Andrew? Obviously, there is a blueprint for it in FCS football. Yeah. Um, you know, I think Chad made a pretty valid point. You don't want teams playing, you know, the, the team seat, like if a nine seat or somebody like that, you know, in college basketball, you see first four to, to final four sometimes. Like if, I don't know, uh, Oklahoma or somebody were to go on a big run, you know, that would necessitate winning five playoff games to win the national title or playing in five if they get to the national title game. Um, so I'm inclined to agree with Chad. I probably think we would see the conference season dialed back and maybe go to 10 games. It'd look a lot more like the COVID season last year, maybe one non-conference game and then all the rest are conference games. Um, and, you know, I mean, as you pointed out in your piece, the FCS teams only play 11 regular season games. So uh, if they could dial that back on FBS, um, yeah, I, I think we could see something. I mean, the blueprint's already there. I, you'd like that everybody gets in. Um, I think it might necessitate all the independents probably joining a conference. Um, you know, you get uh, Army and BYU is joining the Big 12. Um, Liberty is joining, I can't remember which league, I think Conference USA maybe. Um, and, uh, you know, you'd have to find those other schools some homes um, because I think they'd all want a chance to get in. But I think other than that, I think this is workable. Um, you know, as you talk about Power 5 teams, you talk about including a team like Oklahoma, and I kind of sit here and wonder, what did Oklahoma do this season to merit getting in there? Um, I know Chad as a TCU guy will probably be okay with that, but, um, <laughs> you know, you start to get down, and, like, a lot of teams you pick, you know, were played in their conference title game, and I think that's important. If you win your division, you can get into the conference championship game. I think that's probably worth inclusion. Uh, but it would be an interesting discussion about how you figure out, you know, the, the rest of the at-large teams. And maybe we'll bring back the BCS formula and combine all those computer rankings and everything else. And it'll spit out a, a top 24 here at the end. <laughs> it would be, it'd be a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to think about. I definitely think there would be some type of reduction in terms of the schedule. They do 11 in FCS. It could be maybe you move to 10 and, or sorry, FCS is 11. I guess they could technically do 11 in the FBS. I think the one thing that would be the biggest challenge is you need to get everybody in the country to sign off on having one less home game. Uh, It might not be every year. Maybe it's every other year, but that's a fair amount of money that they're not going to get. So how do they make up that money by not having that extra home game? I think that'd probably be the one question mark that you'd have to get everyone on board with. I mean, you, the, 
position you laid out, you'd get a bunch of teams getting home games anyway, right? I mean, yeah. you seeded nine through 16 would get one, then one through eight would guarantee get one, and then you keep going on. I mean, the, the money in something like this would be phenomenal. I mean, both for ticket receipts and just the television revenue. So you distribute it to conferences, all that other stuff. I feel like it would probably work out. Um, you know, I imagine the people who run the bowls would not be too happy with it. But if, you, you know, you say that we'll get, still do like when we get to the semis, it can be the rows and the sugar, and then the championship game can be wherever. You know, that would probably be enough to appease most of the bowl folks, I think. Andrew, can I request the stop with the pen? Aww. <laughs> Or you can you can mute your mic if you want to do it. Nah, nah, it's okay. <laughs> help you create a good audio product. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing Chad brought up in terms of players sitting out of bowl games right now, Kayvon Thibodeau, who could very well be a top five pick, probably will be in the draft. He's not going to play in. I can't remember. Is it the Orange Bowl? No, not Orange Bowl. Alamo. They're playing Al- Oregon. Alamo yeah. Bowl. Yeah. In the Alamo Bowl. Yeah. So they. He's not going to play in the bowl game, but if Oregon's getting into the college football playoff, he's playing. I mean, I just don't think guys are going to sit out these college football games unless there's such a, a a great injury risk to them for playing two or three potentially more games. But I feel like so many of them would have so much pride for their school that they want to go out there and just to win one game in the postseason and push your program forward to something better in the future. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely true. Um, you know, Kenny Pickett has talked about, I think he's still on the fence about whether or not he's going to play in the the Peach Bowl that playing Michigan State in, and that's one of those things. I mean, that's one of those big games, and, if, you know, guys, and I certainly don't blame them, if, you know, for if you're looking. I mean, a big six bowl is nice at the same time these games aren't going to have a whole impact on anything at this point, which is what your system is trying to alleviate. But, um, you know, I mean, on the flip side, you can say guys are just as likely to get hurt in practice as they are, you know, playing in a game. I mean, right. unfortunately, freak injuries happen all the time. So, um, you know, whether you choose to play or not is is you know that's up to each person's individual. But I, I don't think you get anybody opting out of these games. So uh, that is certainly a way to ensure that teams or fans get to see the favorite players at least one more time. Chad, yeah, you guys, to, yeah, go ahead, Chad. Yeah, I mean, not to mention, I think if you're especially someone who's highly uh, sought after for the NFL draft. I think it could also increase your draft stock, but on the flip side, it could uh, decrease your draft stock. If you, if you come from maybe a group five school, you've done really well against some conference USA teams, then, you know, you're a school like Liberty or something and you go up against sec teams in the playoffs, you have a poor performance. Maybe that could hurt your draft stock. I mean, so it, it will affect uh, a lot of individual players in very different ways. And, but I think final thing to say about it is that why wouldn't you want to play in the playoff if you're going to play in the NFL? Because it's a simulation uh, to what you would play like in the NFL playoffs. And that's what NFL teams want to see. And that's what they truly do care about. And so to me, it would be almost a disrespect to the, these schools if you're just to play 10 regular season games and you're like, oh, well, you know, might as well not play in the college football playoffs because I could get hurt and I want to prepare for the NFL. That's just kind of wrong. Right. Yeah, no, I think, I think you, we all, we're all on the money here. Uh, So let's get into what we have with our bracket here. And I, I encourage everyone who's interested to go to my site, 
look at the physical bracket as you listen to this, or at least take a screenshot of it and open up on your phone. If you're listening to this on your phone uh, to refer to it, cause it'll be helpful. We can only paint as best a visual picture of it as we can, uh, but we'll, we'll do it. We'll run through it right real quick. So we'll go, we'll start with the left side of the bracket. Alabama's a one seed. They're going to play the winner of 16 San Diego state and 17 Iowa. San Diego State gets in as an at-large bid. I put them in because I thought they had a really great season in the Mountain West, even though they fell short of winning the Mountain West Conference Championship, and they didn't look good in that game either. But they did beat Utah. Utah's going to the Rose Bowl, and they were they were a good team all year. They were going to play Iowa. Now, this is where you start to say, well, what did Iowa do all year? They did win 10 games. Um in the Big Ten, we got Iowa as a 17 seed. Number nine, Ohio State taking on 24, the Huskies of Northern Illinois. Northern Illinois wins the MAC. They get that automatic bid, but they're also the lowest seed in this tournament. And the winner of that game, Ohio State and Northern Illinois, will play Pittsburgh uh, as the eighth seed. I feel like I'm Greg Gumble right now, by the way. <laughs> Don't forget to mention the NCAA's corporate champions. <laughs> yeah. Uh okay, and then we'll we'll go through the we'll we'll take it one thing at a time. The bottom left, Cincinnati is a four seed as they are in this college football playoff. 13 seed Michigan State, 20 seed UTSA. Winner of that game will play Cincinnati. And then number 12, BYU, number 21, Clemson, winner of that game plays number five, Notre Dame. Now one more thing I should add about the seeding. These are based off of my college football rankings that I've been doing each week. And in addition to that, I also included that if you are, if you're one of the six highest ranked conference champions, you get an automatic first round buy. So in this round right now, this opening round, these are on campus games. So we've got San Diego state, taking on Iowa, Ohio State hosting Northern Illinois, Michigan State hosting UTSA, and BYU hosting Clemson. And Clemson's one that I actually think could be a little dangerous here. They came on pretty strong here at the end of the year. Uh, Nevertheless, let's run through these matchups. Let's start with 16 San Diego State, 17 Iowa. I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of scoring in this game, Andrew. First team to 10 wins. <laughs> I mean, these, these are two teams that are uh, built very similarly. You know, Brady Hope back at San Diego State after his time. He was head coach at Michigan for a while and coordinated in Tennessee and Oregon and, and various other places. But uh, but back at San Diego State, where he had a lot of success um, uh, in the late, uh, early, I guess the early 2000s. And, uh, you know, just teams built on defense and punting. They don't have, you know, they have decent offensive skill players, but uh, they're going to win field position. They're going to win with defense. Uh, San Diego State has the AP uh, All-American first-team punter, Matt Ariza, and uh, Iowa no slouch in special teams or anything like that. I, I mean, I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It'd probably be the first one to 14, but it might be the first one to 10. Not a whole <laughs> lot of points. Uh, I would definitely bet the under if we start setting <laughs> mythical lines here. Uh, you could set a, a number probably low enough to where you'd get me to bet the over. What do you think, Chad? I, I agree with him. I mean, I love watching Ariza. He, he was super fun to watch. And SDSU, they, they, 
I'm really excited for them. I think one of the biggest and most exciting bowl games to watch is going to be them versus. Do they play UTSA in a bowl? Yep. They play. I don't. I don't know what bowl it is, but that that's going to be a super great game to watch. Uh, I, I think this is a low scoring game, and I do agree uh, with Andrew. It's going to be special teams. It's going to be defense because they're not offensive powerhouses. But I'm taking SDSU in this one, uh, surprisingly, especially if they play. If you have the sub to where they play uh, at home, yeah, they host the game, and they're not. They are rebuilding their stadium right now, so they're playing they a little, little up the road. Do you know exactly <laughs> where they're playing, Andrew? They're playing in Carson, California. They're right outside of Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, where. Uh, I can't remember which one of the Los Angeles soccer teams play. So it's, it's like two hours to up to five from, uh, <laughs> San Diego state's campus. So it's, it's a home game in theory, but uh, yeah, I mean, they would, they, the fans would show out for this one. That is I certain. mean, this would, it's not, it's kind of like the bowl games where you, everyone wants to travel for the bowl game or for the NCAA tournament game. And it is only two hours down the road in relativity. Uh, obviously not the same kind of home field crowd that some of these other places might have. And that's a long road trip for Iowa. I don't know if their offense wakes up. I would take the Aztecs as well. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, there's been nothing. They're going to probably alienate some of my Iowa friend fan or Iowa <laughs> fan friends here, but there's been nothing other than their brief awakening in the fourth quarter against Nebraska that they've done over the last month of the season that would instill me with any sort of confidence that they could score enough points to where I think is going to win this game. Now, if they get a defensive score, you know, if they're able to, you know, get to a rise and block a punt, that's how they scored a touchdown against Nebraska or, you know, get a pick six or return a fumble or something, a scoop and score, you know, that, that could probably be a way that they could win the game. But if San Diego state doesn't turn it over, I mean, the defenses, I feel like are pretty close to each other and, um, you, you know, it could very well be like a 10-7, 13-10 sort of game. And, and I would probably just ever so slightly lean the Aztecs as well, like you guys are. All right. Well, I just ran the simulator. And this is and... where you tell us that San Diego State won 42-39. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite, but San Diego State did win this game. 20-6 to was the final score. I actually think that is plausible. I know Iowa's defense is great, but I could see... San Diego State, two field goals, maybe an offensive touchdown, maybe either a defensive or a special teams touchdown. I think that this is a plausible outcome that we can continue with. We're going to, by the way, for people who are listening, there are going to probably be a couple times where you look at these outcomes. And by the way, we're using NCAAGameSim.com. Thank you very much for letting us run your simulator. Uh, A good service, but it is a computer, so it's not always accurate. Thumbs up on this outcome, guys, 20 to 6. Yeah, no, I think that seems pretty plausible. All right, so we advance the Aztecs to the second round where they're going to play Alabama in just a little bit. All right, Ohio State and Northern Illinois, this game being played in Columbus. Is there any hope for the Huskies? I mean, only if there's like a tremendous hangover effect, I feel like. And certainly, you know, the the Huskies under, uh, have had a great bounce back season, uh, only won a couple of games a year ago, and, and a great win over Kent State in the MAC title game. Uh, Rocky Lombardi, transfer from Michigan State, has looked really, really good running their offense. But uh, I just don't think they have enough athletes on defense. And they'll probably score 
you know, I mean, Tulsa scored 20 points against Ohio State earlier this year. Like, teams can score a little bit on them, but I just don't think there are enough athletes on defense. Um, you know, Ohio State's got all those wide receivers, and C.J. Stroud is really talented, and um, Fabian Henderson's a really good running back, and, and Master T kind of comes in and, and spells him a little bit. So I think Northern Illinois could hang around for a while, and I think they could score a few touchdowns, but I, I think ultimately too much explosiveness on offense for Ohio State. I think Ohio State just runs they, – they pass the entire game, especially with their receiving trio. I don't think NIU has really much of a chance, especially just the strength of both of their schedules and their experiences uh, in college football. And so I'm saying I'll just give you a straight score, probably 48-7. to 48-7. Seven. <laughs> seven. I will say that I do think the Mac is a little stronger than people might realize. We saw a little bit of that with Western – uh western it was that beat Pitt, right andrew yeah western michigan there have been some other outcomes like last year ball state just absolutely annihilated uh san jose state in whichever bowl game that was like i think that the mac can hang with teams and that the teams may beat up on each other a little bit and that's why you never you don't typically see at least the last couple years you haven't seen like a 10 and 2 mac team you see a 9 and 4 mac team I think I think Northern Illinois, like this is a, a just a really bad draw for them. If they were to play Oklahoma State, that would be a game that I could see them hanging in, maybe even winning. This seems like the type of game where Ohio State has struggled defensively this year, but they've been a great team at home. I feel like this would be a game where you could get to the half and you're looking at it and it's, 20 to 14 or 2017 and you're like hey we got ourselves a game here and then ohio state comes out in the second half and just puts them away i would say something like along the lines of 41 24 something like that maybe 21 something like that no i i, I think you know your i think your assessment is is right on it's definitely a game that you know northern illinois deserves a lot of props and they could definitely hang around for a half, especially if, you know, like I said, there's if Ohio State has some hangover. But I think just like you said, you know, Ohio State scores first. Maybe they get a, a turnover in the second half there and then kind of score again and start to pull away. All right. Let's see what the shredder says. I'm going to call it the shredder from now because of MLB Network. <laughs> I like that. That works for me. <laughs> Miss baseball. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> this is we got 94 to three. Oh boy. <laughs> Let's rerun that. <laughs> oh wait, I want to see the what kind of stats were we seeing here? CJ Stroud, seven touchdowns, four hundred sixty-one yards. I mean that's probably plausible. <laughs> yeah, but ninety <laughs> not the rest of it. Not the rest of it. <laughs> All right. Seventy-two nothing. Okay, let's do one more. It's not gonna be that big of a blowout. Okay, 58-24. That's that's reasonable. We can go with that. So based off the simulator, was I the closest one? (laughs) Yeah, you were. (laughs) (laughs) Did you, are you uh, working with these guys, Chad? Are you the one that thinks that this would be the, not big on the Mac? (laughs) I mean, I don't know, but maybe I'm also just not uh, super well oriented with, you know, NIU and some of the other Midwestern teams. So, you know, y- y'all would definitely know more about them than me. So that's probably why 
I give him less <laughs> credit than y'all did uh, in the initial uh, go round. But but no, I I, th- I think something like fifty eight. What was it? Fifty eight twenty four. I, I, I think, yeah, I don't think that's bizarre at all. I got a question for Andrew. Yeah. My question for you is what is the number 10 out of 10 conference this year? Mac conference USA Sunbelt would probably, those would be the three mm. options really. Cause I think we'd agree that mountain West and American are stronger than those. Probably. Like UTSA is really good. Western Kentucky is really good, but I feel like from top to bottom, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, I would probably put CUSA at ten. Although the interesting thing when you look at the rest of the American, aside from Cincinnati and Houston, the rest of the American was pretty bad. Yeah. Um. So I would probably put Mountain West six. Sun Belt's got three I, really I, strong I'm, teams. I might actually put the Sun Belt at seven and the American at eight, but that's just because you know I don't have a whole lot of respect for the rest of the American outside of Houston and and Cincinnati, and nothing take not to take away from what they did. Um, but yeah, I would probably put CUSA at ten and the MAC at nine, and then you can you know we could argue for a while whether it should be the Sun Belt or the American at at seven and eight, but that that's kind of how I would arrange them. Well, I'm excited to see the Coastal versus Northern Illinois game. That'll be kind of a good sense of where these teams stand. That'll be a fun one. Okay. UTSA, the Conference USA champions, the Roadrunners. Fantastic year. They weren't far from going 13-0. and They had the one real bad game. They ended up at 12-1, and and they're traveling to East Lansing to play Michigan State. Do either of you think the Roadrunners have a puncher's chance in this game? You know, I Jeff Trailer's done a great job down there in San Antonio. Even got a huge extension and huge uh, contract uh, in salary increase, and so I think that he's had a lot of confidence and he's done really well, uh, especially in the second half of the season. The thing, though, is that worries me is that a team like UTSA they play a lot of teams in the South, and if they're playing in East Lansing. They haven't. They've never really played up north before uh, in a regular season game, or you know, even playoff bowl type of games. They normally, you know, they play in a dome, and so it's. I think they have. They could have a lot of trouble uh, with weather, and that's just a very simple thing just to analyze. But UTSA has still looked really strong. I think they have a fighting chance, but I still think Michigan State pulls this one out. Yeah, I, I'd be inclined to agree. Um, one thing, Michigan State plays all their home games on grass, and I know that uh, the Alamo Dome obviously w- would be turf, and I think a lot of the other mm. schools in CUSA have that turf as well, and that's kind of one of those advantages Michigan State has. They can, can grow the grass a little bit longer and, and slow things down, especially because UTSA is so running-oriented. But uh, I feel like this is just kind of a bad matchup for the Roadrunners, only because Michigan State's kind of weakness in, on defense is their secondary. They're fairly solid against the run. Um, and, you know, that's where UTSA kind of likes to make their make hay with sincere McCormick and, and, and all that stuff. So I, I think UTSA, I, feel, I don't think it would be quite as big of a blowout as, um, you know, the, the Ohio State North Illinois game that we were talking about. And I could certainly see UTSA hanging around until the, the third, third kind of fourth quarter. Um, the problem is they don't have the athletes in the secondary. And uh, after watching Western Kentucky, even Bailey Zapp throw, Zappy throw for 549 yards or whatever it was, uh, I think um, you know I think Michigan State could do something a little bit similar. Um, so again, this is kind of one of those things. I feel like it'd be close, 
it could probably still be a one possession game entering the fourth quarter. I feel like probably the Spartans by two touchdowns, but uh, I think UTSA would acquit themselves very well. Yeah, I think this is a situation where UTSA, if they're able to get out with an early lead and dominate time of possession, that would be the formula for them to win this game. And we've also seen Michigan State play some games that you're like, oh, that was a little close. I don't know if that game should have been that close. I think that the Spartans win this one 21-10. That would be my score on this game. Seems reasonable to me. All right. Any other picks before I run the simulator? No. Okay, let's see. The simulator says 19 to 10. How about that? Michigan State. Pretty close. 19 to 10. So not far from, yeah, that's pretty close. (laughs) Yeah, almost right on it there. Okay, next matchup, we've got BYU, who they just absolutely got frozen out of new year's six bowls uh this year which i i it's unfortunate because they're independent they're gonna go to the big 12 which will be good for them there's a greater incentive to being in a conference especially a power five conference i'm glad they're joining a power five conference this year they're playing in the independence bowl i think right that's the independence bowl that's the one they're playing in i believe so yeah yeah i can't remember if it's no, it's Louisiana that plays Marshall. They play UAB, and it just feels like this team, 5-0 and against the Pac-12, they beat Utah, who won the Pac-12. Andrew had laid it out a couple weeks ago. Hey, there's an argument for them to play in the Rose Bowl this year. Unofficial Pac-12 champs. Yeah. <laughs> and they also uh, beat another conference champion in Utah State. Uh, pretty high on this BYU team. I watched them a good amount uh, with their uh, their quarterback. Jaron Hall put together a really good year. Some people are even talking about him as an NFL like mid-round draft pick this year, potentially, if he goes pro. A lot of people, there were low expectations for this team, considering that Zach Wilson went to the NFL. And the fact that they played a really tough independent schedule. I think their schedule was tougher than Notre Dame's. And they went 10-2. and two. So they're going to host a game here in Provo against Clemson, who came on really strong late in the year. Clemson with the big win. They beat, I think they beat North Carolina State and they beat Wake Forest down the stretch. Right. They beat NC State, right? NC State beat them. That oh, was, that was still kind of when Clemson was was on their slide. Yeah, that was early in the season. They beat Wake there was someone else. I thought they they had a couple stronger wins later in the season. They started to look like the Clemson that we know Clemson to be. What do you guys make of this one? I'm I'm really high on this BYU team. I think the Big Twelve is doing themselves a favor of uh, adding them uh, into the conference next year or so. And so I in they have their losses were not bad. They had a very close loss that they hung around with Baylor. Uh, in the middle of the season, I believe. And I think they've gotten even better since their two losses. And again, their two losses were also back-to-back. I think uh, I looked at Boise State, I think. I'd have to pull it up. But uh, yep. very, very Baylor. great team. I in, in Baylor was the other one, yes. And so uh, I'm, I'm high on this BRU team, and especially Clemson having an off year. They did redeem themselves in their second half of the season. But I remember, Jack, you and I were talking about this Clemson team when we saw each other. Uh, earlier in the fall and uh, <laughs> yeah. we were pretty shocked I believe that was the 
that might have been the NC State game. Or yeah, we were sitting around a pool in Arizona <laughs> and the soaking up the sun. It was like 80 degrees. It was perfect weather. And there were a bunch of TVs and we were watching NC State beat Clemson. Right. Oh, yeah. The, the, <laughs> thing, the thing, though, is that Clemson, regardless of their uh, off season uh, for this year, they still have four and five star guys. They still have they're still very well coached and they're still very well groomed. So I, I think it's a close game, but I like BYU in this one. Uh, I would, I would put the score and besides uh, some of their non-conference weaker school games, BYU uh, plays a very good defensive game. Uh, I don't think they scored besides against Virginia and uh, another one of their non-conference games. They didn't score above 35 from where I looked. Uh, and so I, I would say this game is 24, 18, 9, 24, 17, BRU takes in the end. I think this one's going to be maybe the best game. Well, definitely, I mean, we had 20 to 6. We had 54, 28 or 93 to 3 or whatever. (laughs) And then we had 19 to 10. I think this is the best game of this first four that we're watching. I'd say 31, 27, BYU. Yeah, I would I would lean BYU. I'd probably buy about a touchdown. I think one thing to remember is that with this game being played in Provo, it's going to be played at elevation. Oh yeah, and Clemson never leaves the southeast. Um, you know, for their non-conference games, uh, you know, and, and you're playing in Pittsburgh is is one thing to at least have to deal with the weather a little bit. But the elevation, it's going to be December. There could very well be snow everywhere. You know, a lot of these guys yeah. have not 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 from familiar climates with with stuff like this. So. I think that would certainly be an edge towards uh, the Cougars. Uh, I like what you guys are saying. Give me BYU by touchdown, 27-20. Simula- the Shredder says 20-3 BYU. All right. So it's possible. I mean, Clemson's offense, when they were on, they were on. And when they were off, they were terrible. So, Yeah. Well, that'll set up a good BYU-Notre Dame matchup in uh, the Sweet 16. Okay. Battle for the Independent Conference. Yeah, I love it. Okay. Louisiana hosts Oregon and this is an interesting one because the hypothetical is where's Billy Napier for this game better yet where's Mario Cristobal Mario Cristobal is gone I I don't think that changes anything but Billy Napier hung around to coach the Louisiana team in the Sunbelt championship should we should we say Billy Napier is here for this game I mean, I would assume if we're talking about players not opting out, right? You're not going to get the coaches to leave either. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think like it. The coaching movement might still happen, but I feel like if we're we're going to approach this, we should assume Brian Kelly's still at Notre Dame, that that Billy Napier's still at Louisiana, that Mark Cristobal's still at Oregon, and then we can have all this the coaching movement that happens afterwards. Yeah. Um, but I feel like if, if you go this far and everybody's making playoff games, coaches aren't going to leave their teams before the, the playoffs yes, are done. That's good. I like that. But that doesn't change the fact that Oregon looked really bad at the end of the year and they looked kind of like, I don't know. I don't want to say they, they gave up on their coach. It just felt like there was Cristobal. I don't know if he had a foot out the door at that point. I don't think that changes in this instance because we saw what they did and they got beat by Utah pretty badly two times over the last three weeks. And this would be the biggest game in Louisiana program history. They get to host it. I kind of like the raging cages in this one, guys. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to get an argument out of me. I I could see it being a, a close game. I mean, Oregon obviously has, you know, really talented athletes and I imagine 
that Louisiana would struggle to block Kayvon Thibodeau, but I mean, lots of teams struggle to block Kayvon Thibodeau this year. But you look at, you talk about Oregon struggling. I mean, they had that good win in Columbus in September. And then, I mean, they just kind of sort of puttered along. I mean, they didn't look great against Stanford. And, and granted, that part of the reason I think was defensive coordinator was sick and was in the hospital. So he wasn't there to call the game. But I mean, they didn't just look impressive like at all this season. Um, other than in that game in Columbus, and they've kind of been riding that along, and it, it would not surprise me at all if Louisiana won this game. I think, Jack, what you're talking about, having this format, uh, some of the, the upsets, I think this is one of them. And I, But at this point, as we're talking about Oregon, I don't even know if this is considered an upset. Uh, the only big Oregon game that I watched was uh, when they played Cal on a Friday night in the middle of the season, and they should have lost to Cal. I don't know how they pulled that out. They pulled it out in the last uh, drive uh, Oregon did, and they made a stop. They, they should have lost a cow. But point is, I, I'm taking ULL on this one. Uh, I think it's still a very close game. Uh, just like you said, the Bideau what, is going to be someone hard to block. I, but I think uh, – I, I still think ULL pulls this one out. And I, I would say it could be even a two-score game, depending on if Oregon gets tired at the end. Well, I don't know when the last time Louisiana beat a team by two scores was. All their games seem to be pretty close. So either I th- I think what we got to say with this shredder is any outcome that is more than 10 points or 14 points, we have to just throw out with the shredder. So let's see what the shredder says. 26-23 Oregon. Okay. I mean, that's, and that, that, that's very, possible. very that's possible. possible enough. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go with that. So Oregon survives to live another day. It's too bad for us because I think we would have liked to see the upset be a little more interesting. But then they're going to take on Michigan in the Sweet 16. Okay, Oklahoma State and Utah State. Utah State would be one of the two teams that I – well, I I had them ranked 25, but they weren't technically in my top 24. They won the Mountain West. They get the automatic bid. Is there any hope for Utah State making the trip to Stillwater here, guys? Sure. I mean, Oklahoma State can't score. Um, <laughs> like, like their defense, really good. Jim Knowles got a significant pay raise to be the new defensive coordinator in Columbus for Ohio State for, for next season. And their, their defense is good, but Oklahoma State can't score. Um, you know, Spencer Sanders threw three interceptions against Baylor. Um, he threw four against Baylor the first time these two teams played. Like they just kind of been motoring along and, you know, winning with winning with defense. And the Utah State offense, I think, is dynamic enough to cause them some problems. I mean, maybe Oklahoma State will out athlete them and will you, you know, score enough to the end. But I mean, I I would not at all be surprised if Utah State went into Stillwater and pulled off the upset. I, I agree. I uh, OSU cannot score. The only time that they have really been able to score is when uh, their running back uh, Jalen Warren is healthy, but he didn't play in the uh, in the Big Twelve Championship. So let's just assume that he, I, I don't know his status now, but let's just assume that he's not playing in this first game. Uh, they have no reason to score, uh, and so I I would take Utah State, but also at the same time Oklahoma State could still uh, maybe have a couple defensive scores and uh, just rely on that side of the ball to to beat Utah State. So I I'm, I don't know. This could really go one or two ways. I don't necessarily feel super strong uh, with one side or the other. 
the lowest point total that UT or sorry Utah State had this season. Twenty six points. Basically, every game they put up at least thirty. So, like Andrew said, that the offense is dynamic enough to hang in this game. And if you're playing down the stretch of this game and you're forcing Spencer Sanders to have to beat you, you know, we saw Spencer Sanders. He's had some good games. I remember when they played Texas last year, he put up a lot. He had a big uh, yardage total. Yeah, he's had some other games where there have been some big 12 shootouts like a year ago. Didn't see it as much this year. He's capable of making big plays, but we saw that, you know, when I watched that big 12 championship, he was kind of jittery. Like he was kind of panicking. I remember there was a couple of times when they were on that. They weren't technically on the goal line, but they're a couple of yards out from the end zone. They just need to score one time and they're probably winning the big 12 and maybe going to this 14 playoff. And what really surprised me was there were times where he'd get up to the line of scrimmage and just hike right away. He wasn't using the play clock. He wasn't using any motion. It was just like he looked jittery. He looked out of sorts. So if this is a close game, I kind of like Utah State in this game. I think I would go Utah State. Now, I think the big key would be how how well does Oklahoma State's great defense do of stopping this Utah State team? Which which uh, style plays out? Is it a high offensive game? Is it a low scoring game? I will go Utah State 31. Oh, I already said that. I think I used that score. 34, 31. I'll take 27-24. Utah State? Yeah. I, I I wouldn't argue against Utah State winning this, but I still think my Big 12 roots are telling me I think <laughs> OSU is still going to pull this one out, but it's going to be close. I say 28-14. All right. Shredder says... 34 to 10, Oklahoma State. Is that plausible? I mean, you I throw it out. You, you know, that, I mean, Spencer Sanders could have a good game. Like, the, Oklahoma State has talented offense, and maybe Jalen Warren comes back and he runs all over him. Um, you know, that's that's not totally out of the realm of possibilities. I mean, it's, I would say, a little bit disappointing from, from my perspective, but <laughs> I mean, at the same time, Oklahoma State had a chance to win the Big 12 title game and they're in the playoffs. So it's not like they're a bad team. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, that, that's reasonable. All right. Here's the one I like better. I re ran it 23 21 Oklahoma State. That seems a lot more realistic. All right. That works for me. All right. Disappointed that the people will be denied the Utah Utah State showdown. Oh, <laughs> man. That would be, that would have been great. Okay. So great Oklahoma for the State. Oklahoma State will face Utah in round two. Oklahoma versus Houston as our next one. Winner is going to play Georgia. This feels like a shootout. This feels like... Now, this is one like... You talk about coaches not being there, or coaches still hanging in there. This one's kind of fun to think about if the whole Lincoln-Riley situation plays out the same and Bob Stoops is coaching this team because I kind of like Bob Stoops coaching this team more than I like Lincoln Riley in terms of having a guy who's already thinking about his next job and what may have been going on with Oklahoma football this year. Yeah, I mean, that's that's fair. 
I just sort of feel like if we're going to say all the players are going to stay. I yeah. Mean, if you, if you want to make Lincoln Riley a special case, Cincinnati offered him a boatload of money. He's like, <laughs> the 14 seed. We win. We got to face Georgia. I'm, I'm out. That's, that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Stoops can ride in from, from the Fox television studios. today. <laughs> yeah. O- Oklahoma loves Stoops. He, he was, they, they loved him more than the actual football team while he was there. And he, I mean, he, I wouldn't say he built it, but at the same time, he really accelerated the program to where they're at today and made kind of paved the way for Lincoln Riley in, you know, so, so it really depends. I mean, so, so are we still doing a Lincoln Riley OU team against Houston? Uh, what do you guys think? Should we, should we say Lincoln Riley? The thing is, is like the simulator is not going to count for this, but I feel I like their chances more with Bob Stoops coaching them in this spot than with Lincoln Riley with Lincoln Riley. I could see Clayton tune pulling off a big game, some fourth quarter heroics. This is a regional showdown. I could see Houston winning that game. Whereas with stoops, I, I, for some reason I have more confidence in the Sooners than I do with Lincoln Riley. Is that weird? I mean, I think the Oklahoma state deep or the Oklahoma defense rather will be, better which is weird to say because the coordinators would still probably be the same but i think that you'd get a better defensive performance with stoops as head coach yeah so all right well we'll say lincoln the simulator is going to account for lincoln riley so with lincoln riley here what's the final on this one i i am gonna go 42 38 like very high scoring I think Caleb Williams makes a couple more plays than Clayton Toon does, and Oklahoma moves on to face Georgia. I agree. I'll take Oklahoma 45-42. I take Oklahoma in this game. I say 38-35, last-minute field goal. But this is a game that's very winnable for Houston. Yep. And the shredder says, no way. We can't use that one. Okay. <laughs> 44 to three. Like, no, I, I just don't know. Another one. Come on, Shredder. Give us a good one. Shredder does not value Houston at all. I guess not. Yeah. I don't think the Shredder has also actually sat down and watched an Oklahoma game either. So, <laughs> yeah, they haven't seen that. They're required to be close, right? They've just been close all season. Mm-hmm. All right. Come on. Give us a good one here. All right, thirty-one twenty-four. That's good enough, I guess. Sure. Feel like there'd that's be good. more offense, but yeah, there's definitely one of them. Definitely breaks forty. <laughs> maybe there's maybe there's a freak rainstorm or something in Norman. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and our final round one matchup: Ole Miss taking on Fresno State, and of course, in this situation, uh, Fresno State's coach doesn't leave. Their quarterback, Jake Hayner, does not leave, which it seems at this time he's he's not going to leave, is what he says. So I think this could be I this would be a really fun high scoring game. And you know what? Even though they've got Matt Corral on the other side, give me give me the Bulldogs. I'll take the Bulldogs. Must say 38-34. A lot of four point games I'm going with, I guess. You know, the problem I have with this is like Fresno's been a good team. I just feel like they were playing so well at the beginning of the year, right? They had that great shootout, almost beat Oregon and Eugene, 
Then they had that great win against UCLA in the Rose Bowl. And I just sort of feel like they peaked early. Like, not that they were bad the rest of the way, but uh, they just didn't seem to have that same kind of I don't know, spark, whatever it was that they had in the, in the, the first half of the season. Um, it kind and, of and came I think, back. I will say, I think it came back. They beat Nevada. That was close, 34-32. Nevada's a quality team. They went on the road to, at San Diego State, won that game by 10. The Boise State game, I think, would be the game that you point at and say that's where, what the heck happened there? They lost 40-14. of 14, But then they came back after that and they blew out New Mexico and San Jose State. Obviously, those are a couple of middle to lower end of the conference teams. There's an ability to score a lot of points, though, with this team. Yeah, I just... Um... I'm, I'm just going to lean a little bit on the other side of you. I think yeah. I, I think Mississippi scores enough points to to win. I think we get another shootout. This could be the first one to 50. I mean, Fresno has played some very high scoring games, and you know Lane Kiffin likes to to coach offense. Uh, but give me the give me the Rebels in a, in a close one by about a touchdown. I think uh, 45-38. Yeah, I, I would agree with Andrew. Uh, Ole Miss didn't lose. Uh, at home this year. And so if they have home field advantage, I think that plays into their favor. Right. Uh, yeah. Matt, Matt Corral, it, I mean, I, I think he would run up the, uh, the scoreboard or the, uh, the box score, honestly. Uh, and yeah, I, I like the way that Kippen has, you know, organized their offense and he, they've become a great team for receivers. They send receivers to the league all the time and uh, they're starting to become a great team for quarterbacks as well. And you'll, you probably will see one of these big name, uh, quarterbacks in the portal right now uh, head over to Ole Miss next season. And so uh, I, I love the way that uh, they can score. They can run up points a lot. Uh, I, I'm taking Mississippi every time on this one. And then I guess that paves the way for uh, a real bowl, uh, a sh- sugar bowl matchup in the following week, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ole Miss and Baylor. Okay. We'll move to the Sweet 16 here. And the oh, sorry, I got to give you the score. I ran it. It's 30 to 24. Ole Miss wins that game. But so probably more points realistically, but that's pretty good. Could happen. Okay. Now we've got this is uh, an even bigger David versus Goliath story than San Diego State, or sorry, than Cincinnati playing Alabama. We're moving to neutral turf at this stage of it, but all right, neutral turf, Alabama, San Diego State. Can the Aztecs keep this one close, guys? Uh, see, I I told several people before Alabama played Georgia that Alabama was still going to win the SEC, and uh, I think a lot of people thought I was silly because of Georgia's <laughs> great because, because of Georgia's that, great season. I agreed with you, so, or I did disagree and said you were crazy. So it shows what I know. <laughs> yeah and it's you know but uh i was very impressed with bryce young very impressed uh and alabama was able to stop georgia and it's so i i'm taking alabama i'm sorry um uh, for any Aztec fans uh i'm, I'm classmates with a, a huge sdsu uh fan as well and so uh he they i think it would just be an unfortunate situation they're the team that has to play alabama first and so I, I don't think Alabama is – th- there's no way that they don't make it past this round. So I'm taking Alabama. SDSU, they'll put up some points, but I, I would say Alabama 42 to 
eight and seventeen. Yeah, I don't think there's enough offense for the Aztecs to stay up with Alabama. Like if you look at a team such as Houston or Fresno State or a team like that where they could have an answer offensively, I just don't see that happening with the Aztecs. Now Alabama has had some games where they've that have been close, but they've been games where they've allowed a lot on their defensive side. I don't see I just can't see San Diego State getting to 25, 30 points to win this game. Yeah, there are some, when you look at the rest of our field of 16, there are some teams that I think San Diego State could beat. Like, I think they could beat Oklahoma State. I think they could probably beat Oklahoma. Um, I think there are some other teams in here that match up a little bit better. I just don't think Bama is the, the yeah. right matchup for them. I, I think Chad's prediction of uh, four touchdowns is probably pretty close to accurate. Right. Probably. And the shredder says it's loading here. 23 to three. Mm-hmm. All right. I could see that actually. Like I could see Alabama going up and then maybe just sitting on the lead. And like we talked about San Diego States had a great defense this year and they're not going to put up points. So that one we can work with. Yeah. Next up. Oh, sorry, Chad. You know, yeah, I was going to say, not impossible. I still think Alabama reaches 40. <laughs> but, yeah. This is this might be my favorite matchup of the Sweet 16. Ohio State versus Kenny Pickett and the Pitt Panthers. Now, this is what I would love about this playoff format. Is in March Madness, you've seen some of these guys carry a team, a Kemba Walker, or, you know, make any example of a premier player, Steph Curry, who's put a team on his back and they maybe go further than they should. Kenny Pickett would be that guy in this playoffs. It would be how far can Kenny Pickett take the Pitt Panthers? This will be your your typical or your prototypical uh, first one to 50 wins. Yeah. Um, I mean, Ohio State, we talked about in their, their previous matchup. They have so many offensive weapons. Um, but you know, Jordan Addison, Kenny Pickett, uh, the, the, the Panther offense, they can sling it. And, um, Ohio state's secondary is not spectacular. I mean, they're not terrible, but they are a little bit suspect in the secondary. I mean, really they're, they're back seven, like their front four are pretty good and their back seven are, they can, they can have some problems. Um, and yeah, I, I think this is a, you know, this we, I think when our pre- bowl preview might have, we've talked about uh, Virginia and SMU, where you should probably bet the over. I think this is another <laughs> one where uh, you should probably take a look at the over because this is this could very easily uh, be a game where both teams score in the 40s. I would not be at all surprised if that were the case. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right, Jack. America uh, would be rooting for Pitt and Kenny Pickett in this one, and rightfully so. I, I think that this is going to be such a fun. This would be such a fun game uh, to watch. I think in this game, I think Kenny Pickett does show up. Uh, he's shown up several times before. I was very impressed with him, especially on the ground in the uh, Wake Forest game. And I think he has a great game on the ground, uh, especially if they're playing in. I guess they'd be playing. They'd be playing in Columbus, or no? This would be neutral. This would be neutral, right? Yeah, neutral, sir. Neutral, sir. Right. Uh, but but I, I still think Kenny Pickett runs really well. Uh, I think he if Pitt's a line can really show up against their front four, just like what Andrew was saying, uh, I think he could easily run past 
uh, you know, some of their linebackers and some of the guys in secondary. So I would take Pitt. It's a sh- absolute shootout. Uh, this this would be, I think, a one score game. I also think I think this would be the type of game where the casinos would probably have Ohio State by eight or ten or something like that. But I think it'd be closer. Well, if you run this simulation a hundred times, I think Ohio State probably wins more often than not. But I think it'd be a little closer to a coin flip game than people would realize, where it could be who has the ball last in this game, who gets the ball last. I'll go pit. 5143. Uh that'll be a big 10 homer. Like I, we carried the water for Kenny Pickett. Uh good to see him be a Heisman finalist. Uh I just don't think the the Pittsburgh defense has enough. Um and I don't see either team making a ton of stops. I envision Ohio State getting one more and maybe this comes down to, you know, special teams error, a, a shank punt or a, a missed field goal or something. Uh give me the Buckeyes by 3. I want to throw out the shredder at this point. I think we should start voting because I think our analysis of this game was way better than what I just ran it three times. And all three of them were Ohio state like 50 to 10. Okay. There's just no way that Ohio state's defense is only allowing 10 points against Kenny Pickett. Sure. Wouldn't think so. So executive call here. Chad and I outnumber you, Andrew. Uh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm never going to complain when Ohio State loses. <laughs> <laughs> so Pitt is going to face Bama in the next round. And you want to create got, a score? What was that? You want to create a score? Uh, which Okay, so I said 51-48. What did you say, Chad? I, I don't even know if I said a score, but I would go 48-40 maybe. 48-40. Yeah, I guess that'd be two score, but well, no, it could be one score. But, but yeah, what do you think is somewhere in between that, Andrew? That you would about forty nine, forty five, forty nine, forty five. Let's do that. Okay, I like this better because I think some of these, like for instance, our Utah State one, this the shredder wasn't giving Utah State a chance. Like at this point, we're gonna we're gonna take the ball and we're gonna run with it. We'll still we can still look and see what the shredder thinks, but we voted out the shredder. Sorry, Shredder. Okay, Cincinnati and Michigan State. I like the Bearcats here. Uh, I don't know how close this game is, honestly. What do you guys think? I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about. I haven't analyzed enough to know how good Cincinnati's run defense is. Like, I think Kenneth Walker the third gets his. I I do think that you're right. I think Cincinnati wins the game. Um, I would be inclined to think it'd be a little bit closer than you probably think it is. Uh, oh no, I was I was saying I legitimately don't know if I think it's going to be a two like a two point game, a seven oh, point oh, game, a okay, ten point sorry, game. Yeah. Sorry, I, I misunderstood. That's not what I, yeah, I misunderstood what you were saying. Yeah, I think I think Cincinnati by about a touchdown. Um, you know, I feel like Desmond Render; these guys are they're on a mission to you know continue to prove their the. The doubters wrong. Uh, you know, Michigan State had a really good season. You know, Kenneth Walker won the um, the Doak Walker Award for running back, and and I think the Walter Camp Award for Player of the Year. Um, you know, he had an outstanding season. Uh, Spartans are a good team, but I think you know once you kind of get them away from East Lansing, and since this will this will be a neutral site game, um, you know they were undefeated at home this year, um, and and once you get them away from there, I think. 
the Bearcats, Desmond Ritter, all those guys. I think I think Cincinnati probably wins by about a touchdown. 28-21. Works for me if Chad is good. What do you that. think, Chad? I, I, I think Michigan State has still has a lot of holes. I mean, uh, you saw that in the Ohio State game. I I don't know how uh, they were able to beat Michigan. I think that was just kind of a fluke, in my opinion. But you know, but that's college football, and it happens. But uh, I'm still taking Cincinnati in this. I think, it, yeah, I think it depends on where they play. I think all, uh, neutral site, neutral site. So yeah, depending on where that neutral site is. Yeah. But uh, Cincinnati, I think they would be having to feel pretty good about themselves, especially if they uh, uh, had a bye week in that previous week and get some rest. And I think uh, Cincinnati still gets this one, but it's probably closer uh, than, you know, two scores. I, I think it could be, you know, t- I think it could be, uh, you know, eight to ten point maybe. Uh, you know, I, Cincinnati, I'm, I'm still taking. What the would your score be, Chad? I would say 28. 19 28-19 Andrew your score Yeah uh, you know I I, I like 28-17 you said 28-21 we can split the difference and call it 28-19 since Chad's right meets right in the middle of us but I think that's that's mm-hmm. probably right about where it is Okay 28 oh, let's do 28-20 that's a little cleaner Yeah No love for the good. safety huh however it happens you're right (laughs) oh my gosh byu notre dame neutral site independence on the line two teams competing for their own independence you should have a conference trophy for the winner of this game oh my gosh i this would have been i mean danny cannell threw it out there he said this should they should play each other conference championship weekend it would have been so fun I like BYU. I think Notre Dame. I, I do think Notre Dame belongs in this top 10 to top 15 category. I do think they're a really, really, really good team this year. But I think BYU, their schedule was a little, I thought it was a little tougher. I, I know that Notre Dame did get the Cincinnati game or and they also played, they, they won against Wisconsin when Wisconsin was kind of at their lowest point. And that game, for that matter, Notre Dame did end up winning big, but the score didn't really tell the story of what that happened because there was like a pick, pick six at the end of the game. There are a couple of picks late in the fourth quarter. It was it was a much closer game the whole way. And, you know, I take a look at some of BYU's wins. Again, Utah, Arizona State, when Arizona State was playing really well, they beat all those Pac-12 teams. Baylor was one of their losses and that was a, a game at Baylor. I think this ends up being a really good game. I think there are actually a fair amount of points scored in this. I think it's close. However, I will say 35, 32 BYU. You know, I've, I've always been somebody who's kind of against Notre Dame and, you know, when they made the college football playoffs and, and you know, just didn't they, they haven't performed on a big stage. But this season, uh, just looking at the second half of their schedule, they won their last four games by three or more scores. And I, I think you still have to get this Notre Dame uh, team more credit, especially if they still have uh, – I, I guess they would still have Kelly, right, in this – yeah, yeah. So it. So I. I. I still think you have to give this Notre Dame uh, team more credit than some of their previous seasons, but 
I think we all would agree that we're all pretty high on the BYU team. This is this is a very close game, but I I would have to take BYU, but I would still make a case for Notre Dame to uh, to end up in the next week. See, well now that now that you picked BYU, I can go ahead and make my case for Notre Dame because I've already been <laughs> outvoted. So um, you, know, you mentioned the, their schedule. I feel like even though they didn't play those, you know, they, they didn't have the marquee wins. We've, we've talked about this before, how they played a lot of mediocre ACC teams and, and teams that finished somewhere between seven and five, six and six, five and seven. Um, I think right now, before going into the last couple of weeks, they're one of the best four teams in the country. I mean, Kyron Williams has, has shown up. They figured out their quarterback situation. Uh, the defense has been playing much better. Uh, and maybe part of that is a product of the schedule and whatever else. But, uh, you know, I pers- I, I would have taken Notre Dame here, but I'm not going to fight either of you hard enough to the point where we want to ban BYU by a field goal. I, we've been pretty high on BYU all year, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if they beat Notre Dame. I did run the shredder here because I was curious, and we got a great result. 28-27 BYU. Right. I think that's what would happen. I think that'd be that's a pretty good score. Let's go with that then. All right. BYU. And that's... This is interesting too because you got Mormons versus Catholics. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same ring as Catholics versus convicts, for <laughs> <laughs> or Mormons versus mullets, for that matter. And then I, I think that sets up a very uh, just as good of a matchup with Cincinnati and BRU. I, I'm excited to talk about that for the next round as well. Yes. Okay. Other side, we got two seed Michigan. Against Oregon, Michigan by a landslide. I don't think this is very close based on what we saw from Oregon over the past several weeks. Michigan's the number two team in the country for a reason. Maybe Andrew wants to argue that they should be number one. I, I can't speak for him, but I think that this, you're basically looking at an Oregon team that got crushed by Utah down the stretch of the season twice. And I think Michigan's a better team than Utah, even though I think Utah's really good. I don't see this one being close. I'm going to say this looks something like the Big Ten Championship for that matter. I'll say 42-14. I don't know if I go quite that far. I, I, I do. Your analysis, I think, is is spot on. I'd probably say Michigan by like 17. So I'd like 34-17, something like that. But yeah, just, you know, Oregon's been struggling. Utah does the same kind of things that Michigan likes to do, and I think Michigan does them, like you said, a little bit better, and Oregon had no answer for Utah either time they played them. So I, I think the result will probably be pretty similar. Mm. Yeah, I agree with both of you. I don't think we would even have to spend a whole lot of time talking about this. I would go Michigan 24, Oregon 3. Okay, 24 3. Let's run the shredder for the heck of it. Let's see what kind of score we get. I think we know, like, I think this is going to be a little more accurate than what we've seen some from some of these other ones. Nope, it's not. <laughs> you have Oregon winning? No, 38-34. There's no way Oregon's putting up 34 points on Michigan's defense. Uh, Andrew, I'll let you pick the score on this one. Oh, you know, uh, uh, 4220. 4220. Okay. Very good. All right. We've got Oklahoma State and Utah. Guys, I'm pretty high on this Utah team at this point in the season. They're peaking at the right time. 
ever since they made the change from Charlie Brewer to Cam Rising, they've been putting up a surplus of points. There are a couple games that maybe were a little closer than they should have been. I know they played Arizona and Arizona covered that spread and it was kind of like, what? I mean, Arizona was a team that had gone a very long time without winning an actual game. Uh, and they did end up getting a win this year. But aside from that, we saw the impressive performance against Oregon. They beat the Ducks. Again, it's really hard to beat a team two times in a row in the same season, especially do it over the course of three weeks. This team's peaking at the right time. Oklahoma State plays great defense, but I cannot see them putting up enough points to hang in this one. I'd like Utah 31-17. Yeah, I don't think that requires a ton more analysis than that. I think, you know, like you said, Utah, if you were to rank teams right now based on how they're playing and not where they started and, you know, well, this team was here and we can't jump them for whatever reason or, hey, they lost a couple of games, I mean, Utah would be in the top five. They, you know, along with Notre Dame, I feel like are the two are the two teams who didn't make the playoff field who are playing as well as anybody in the in the country right now. And I certainly wouldn't, you know, I certainly wouldn't feel good if my team were were drawing Utah. So yeah, I, I mean, thirty one seventeen, thirty one fourteen, something like that. I don't see it being particularly close. I'm very impressed with this Utah team. They've outscored Oregon in those two games by over fifty. Uh, I, I think they not only will they win the Rose Bowl game this year, but I think they would definitely win this one as well. I think they'd move on to the uh, what would be the Elite Eight. Yep. Yeah. What's the score so I, on this, Chad. I think sim- similar to uh, let's see what Andrew said. I I, eh, I would say 35, uh, 24 maybe. Thirty-five, twenty-four. Okay, we'll average that out. Let's say thirty-one. 20. No, 31 17. Let's go back to that one. I like that one. 31 17. Michigan versus Utah. Actually, could be a really good game in that next round. Okay. Georgia and Oklahoma. Is there any hope for the Sooners here? Are we sweeping on Georgia on this one, guys? I mean, probably eventually. The Georgia offense, we don't talk a lot about this because their defense has been so good. Their offense is not great. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, they've been, you know, their defense has set them up in good positions. Like, they're, they're better than the Iowa offense. I mean, I don't know whether that's a really tremendous compliment or anything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, I mean, you know, Stinson Bennett uh, filling in for uh, JT Daniels, who was hurt. There's you know, rumors they may make the quarterback change before they get to the playoff. I don't know what they're going to ultimately do. Like, I think Georgia eventually wins the game, but I think this one where Oklahoma sticks around for a long time just because, I mean, I, other than Brock Bowers, like, Georgia doesn't have a ton of offensive weapons. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma can, I, I think, kind of muck it up a little bit. And, and I think Georgia ultimately wins, but I, you know, it could easily be a touchdown game going in the fourth quarter, like 24 10, maybe. Yeah, What's our yeah, Big 12 right, correspondent think? <laughs> well, I, I think you're spot on about uh, um, your Georgia offensive take. The, the thing that a lot of people don't talk about is they never really had a great quarterback. You know, they have these good leader, face figure type of people, you know, and Jake Fromm and I think Bennett is, they, they love him out there, but they don't put up any numbers and they don't have running backs like Chubb or um, anybody like that this year anymore. They, they don't have that caliber. Um, type of running game either and so I think 
you know, maybe America would say, oh, Georgia just runs through them, but I don't think that would actually be the case. I think Oklahoma, granted their defense is not has never been great and they're still having identity problems on offense with a, a kind of a quarterback battle all season. But I, I still think uh, Georgia pulls this one out, but it's a lot closer than what a lot of people think. Or And these two teams have played each other before when they're both fully, uh, I guess, I guess you could say fully staffed, uh, you know, in the several of the playoffs when they've had all their pieces and, and the right spot and everything. But I would say Georgia 35 or, or uh, Oklahoma 28. This is a weird one because, again, we're kind of doing this hypothetical where how in is Lincoln Riley in this situation? You know, how in on it on everything is he? I do think that this would probably be a pretty good game. And I actually think this is a good one to run the simulator on. So should we run the shredder? Sure, do it. Yeah, because honestly, I could see this shaking out a number of different ways. Oklahoma. And Georgia, I think the Shredder's better. Well, for the most part, I think it's better with these uh, big teams than it is assessing some of the other teams. 23-17 Oklahoma. Wow. Hmm. Should we use that? Or do we say maybe 23-17 Georgia? I mean, this could be one of those December madness type of things that we see. So... I don't think it's impossible. I mean, no one would ever probably predict that, but I wouldn't be super shocked if it actually happened. I wouldn't be there. I mean, Oklahoma was, you know, preseason top five, right? Maybe top three. So I can't remember what the preseason polls were, but you know, they, they were undefeated. They were in the, like, they were, they were a good football team. It would not surprise me at all if they beat Georgia. Right? I do think that Andrew touched on this well earlier that you have a, a really good offensive team against a really good defensive team. And, you know, the, the question I do have about Georgia in the sec really for that matter is how strong is the sec? Cause there are a lot of teams this year that are six win teams, seven win teams. And if you look at the schedules two maybe three of those wins come against inferior non-conference teams. I don't know how good, if you took a look at Georgia's schedule, they had Clemson, Kentucky was strong this year. And then when we saw Alabama's offense just make a mockery out of them. Now, obviously, they're coached by Nick Saban, and there's Georgia never seems to beat Alabama. There's that for that matter. I do think this could be... I'll sign on for the Oklahoma win, though, because I do think that this is a game where... Really, I think it'd be in any given Saturday, anything can happen. Oklahoma's a good team. They can put up points. And Georgia's offense, like we talk about, very concerning. So I'm okay with signing off on the Sooners here. I if Chad doesn't have any gripes being the, the resident Big 12 expert. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm just also looking forward, I think, a, a, another Big 12 championship match or a, or not Ooh. championship, but a, a Big 12 matchup, I think would be really fun to watch in the uh, Elite Eight. So I, I would also sign on with the Oklahoma win. All right. Ole Miss and Baylor. That's our next matchup. 11 versus six. Neutral site. How do you see this shaking out, Chad? Well, I, I, the Ole Miss team is one of my favorite SEC teams that I've watched this year just because 
I think they've uh, shocked a lot of people. A lot of people doubted them, but I think Matt Corral uh, definitely showed out. Lane Kiffin has proven that he knows what he's doing down in Oxford, and uh, this is a very well-coached team. It uh, They're also getting so many more recruits. I think the future of this Ole Miss team uh, is very bright. Uh, I, I think they they have a lot of good things ahead of them. And so, but at the same time, I love Aranda and Waco. Uh, a lot of people were rumoring that he was going to leave for maybe the SC job or another thing. But I, I I love that he's staying down in Baylor. They love him. He's gonna he's a superstar down in Waco. And so, especially with Baylor's performance uh, in the Big Twelve championship game, I was very impressed with them. Uh, you know that they Bohannon wasn't there, and they they still were able to pull it out. And so I am I am taking Baylor. Uh, in this one and I think depending on maybe when uh, the OU George game let's say that that's played slightly before Ole Miss Baylor because we're going down this in order Baylor hears that Oklahoma gets past Georgia there's more motivation for them to beat uh, Oklahoma again so uh, I'm taking Baylor in this one I think my question would be who does play quarterback for Baylor because Jerry Bohannon I don't know. He was okay. It's not great. And you got Matt Corral on the other side. It's a lot of points to potentially have to match. But uh, who's the, you guys remember the name of the other quarterback who came in for Baylor? I'm blanking on it. And uh, I, I know um, uh, oh, Blake uh, Shapin. Yeah. Uh, Shap, yeah. He, uh, he, he was a big baseball player. I, I remember wa- watching the game. He, uh, very smart on the field. He's very, very, very athletic. Uh, he ran better than I thought he would. And uh, I I think I liked him better than uh, Bohannon, and he, he definitely commanded Baylor offense pretty well. So uh, let's say that he plays because Bohannon did not play in the uh, Big 12 game. And so let's say that he plays. I still think that he would show up against Ole Miss. Well, I, I would like Shapin more than Bohannon at, based mm-hmm. on what I saw in the Big 12 championship game. I agree. So I'm taking Baylor 28, Ole Miss 24. I think it's still a very close game. Matt Corral, I think he uh, does well in the first half, and I think they slow down towards the second half. I think Shapin uh, proves that he you know, is a big thing for Baylor. I think Dave Aranda also, he's very smart uh, play caller, and so I, I, I think that uh, he's going to know what he's doing in the fourth quarter when it comes down to it. 28-24, Baylor. You're taking Baylor, Jack. Yeah, I I haven't. I'm I could go either way. I don't feel strong I'm, about uh, this. Like, I was impressed with Shapin. Also, came to realize that Baylor had like 200 yards of offense against Oklahoma State. Like their touchdown drives were because Oklahoma Spencer Sanders kept turning it over. Yeah, 35 yards, 45 yards. I think one was 55 yards. Like, if Ole Miss turns the ball over and does that again, like Shapin can short fields, move down the field. What I don't know is if, you know, they have to go 80 yards. If I'm comfortable, if I feel like he could lead enough of those drives, uh, you know, with this being neutral site, I guess like it wouldn't surprise me if Baylor won. Uh, I mean, they'd been the home team anyway, so I guess it wouldn't really matter. Um, yeah, fine. Let's go with Baylor. That's fine. I I, okay. I I want a Baylor Oklahoma Elite Eight game just so we can have David Rand <laughs> call timeout to kick a late field goal again. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but, but what Andrew, the heck? Go ahead and chat. I, I would say Andrew, you bring up a good point because I don't think Matt Corral is throwing 
four interceptions against Baylor. I don't. That's not going to happen. So you do bring up a good point, but I. I mean, I'd still go with Baylor, but I. I like that analysis that you brought up. Yeah, I actually think I'd go Ole Miss. Uh, I'm outnumbered, so it's fine. We can stick with Baylor. I don't feel strongly about this one. I could really see it going either way. Shredder says. Yeah. Okay, we can run the shredder, but I will say, what happened to the Big Twelve? Why don't Why don't we see the shootouts like we used to? I mean, there's a lot of like Oklahoma State, Baylor, like better defensive teams and offensive teams potentially. And I'm just used to the realization that defense wins championships. They finally Mm -hmm. figured out. I mean, Aranda's very much, he was the DC at LSU, right? You start bringing in some defensive minded guys. And, uh, you know, when you see that your brand of football works for winning the the conference title, but then once you get in the playoffs, you got to have a defense. And I think that that transition has kind of started to happen. And and it's been apparently very drastic because like you don't get any big 12 shootouts anymore, except when Kansas plays Texas. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah when tcu is perennially very good defensive team and they gave up 66 to oklahoma state and when you have oklahoma state who they're traditionally not i mean i i think van gundy was great down Stillwater this year but at the same time it's pretty unusual for to see oklahoma state's defense perform the way they have because they, they don't get a lot of they don't get a lot of uh very talented uh, people on the defensive side of the ball and so uh, you, you are right. When that's the case, the the conference is kind of crumbled. Uh, UT is absolutely crumbled. Uh, Texas Tech, who usually, I mean, I, I think Iowa State just dropped a lot of important games, and they normally are that very pesky team in the Big Twelve. Then Texas Tech had coaching changes in the middle of the season as well, and so it's the Big Twelve is kind of scrambling. They've been scrambling this entire year, and so uh, very unusual season, I think, for the Big Twelve. But um, I don't know. I guess we're picking uh, two Big Twelve teams into the Elite Eight, so maybe maybe we've maybe we've thought we differently like while while picking. Yeah, yeah, we like the matchups. The Shredder is way off. We're gonna ignore that. It was forty-two seventeen Ole Miss. Mm. I don't think we see that. I like. We'll go with Chad's twenty-eight twenty-four. We keep it moving. Bama and Pitt. This feels like a game that is actually a really fun, really good game. High scoring. You got two Heisman finalists. Again, the question of how far can Kenny Pickett carry his team? And it seems like to me, this would be where that train ends. It's a close game. It's a thriller of a game. There's a lot of points. I'll say 43, 39. I think it's going to be, I don't know, 43, 40. I'll say 43, 40. I think there's a lot of points. And I think it's like, Here's our hero, Kenny Pickett. America's getting behind him, and this is where our hero goes down. It's emotional, but we saw him do everything that he could. Yeah, I I would probably take a, a touch, make the a little bit further apart. I'd say Bama 42-31. Like, I think this is a game that's a three-point game going in the fourth quarter, and then I think Bama just kind of finally imposes their will. But, yeah, I you know I, I think that Kenny Pickett covers himself in glory. Bama plays well. And uh, they're just too talented. You got too many, you know, five-star guys on on both sides of the ball eventually uh, to mm. overcome the Panthers. Yeah, I, I still think Kenny Pickett would have a great game against Alabama, but I don't think it's, I don't think there is anything that's really going to beat Nick Saban, and he's proven that. And uh, 
especially now that Alabama actually has a good quarterback. It, I, I still think Alabama wins this one. And, you know, it is also is one thing. Georgia put up, what, 20-something points against Alabama. You know, obviously Pitt has a way better offense. So I still think Pitt does reach about 30 or so. But I, I don't think they're able to hang with the strength, just physicality of Alabama players. They're built differently, literally. And so I would probably go a similar score to what Andrew said. I'd say 42-30 maybe. 42-30. Okay. We'll take Andrews. Uh, or no, let's say the average would be like 42-34 maybe, like an eight-point game. Yeah. Let's do that. 42-34, Bama to the final four. Cincinnati and BYU is our next one. Probably a pretty good game. I'm not I'll, – I'll let one of you guys take this, though. I'll let one of you guys lead this game with. What do you think, Andrew? Uh, you know, I, I I feel like when you look at all else being it, I feel like at this point you kind of let quarterback play decide, right? Like these teams mostly being equal. Like Cincinnati's defense might be a little bit better overall. BYU's offense might be a little bit better in comparison to the two. Um, I, I would take Desmond Ritter um, if, you know, I got to take a quarterback from one of these two games. And I think – you know, he ultimately leads them past. I think it's a very entertaining game. I think it's a close game. Um, you know, it's kind of as we get down to these final matchups, kind of what, what you want in one of these last few games of the season. Um, I would take Cincinnati like 35-31. But, you know, like if, 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 if Chad says he thinks, if you guys say you both think BYU wins, I, you know, wouldn't fight either of you about it. I think it would <laughs> be a thoroughly entertaining game. Yeah, I, I would say probably out of all the high-profile teams this year, Cincinnati would be the team that I know about the least. But and I'm and we are high on this BYU team, but I still think that Cincinnati. I I, I don't think I have much to say about it, just because I I don't I'm very uh, I'm not as informed with Cincinnati, but I still think Cincinnati would pull this one out. I'm taking Ritter in this one. I think he would show up against BYU. I I, I would say Cincinnati. 35, BYU, 25. I think that this would be a game where similar to like we talked about at the very beginning of this, Northern Illinois hanging against Ohio State in the first half. You go, you go to half and you're like, what's going on here? I could see BYU leading by 10 points at half and then Cincinnati kicking into gear in the second half. I like Andrew's score, 35-31. I think that's pretty good. So now we have that sets up what we actually are going to have is the one four matchup. <laughs> Nothing ended up changing. And that'll be Bama and Cincinnati. We'll get to that in a second. We've got a couple other Elite Eight matchups to cover. We've got Michigan and Utah. This is what the Rose Bowl would have been if Michigan had ended up being the team that lost to Ohio State. Chad likes Utah in the Rose Bowl. Chad, do you like Utah in this game too? See, on paper, Michigan is supposed to win this game. But the thing is, this Utah team, I think this would be, you don't even have to call them the Cinderella team. But in a way, if you're facing a big Titan like Michigan, I think they could be the Cinderella story. I think they're, uh, when you have a 20, if we are to have a 24 team playoff atmosphere, I think Utah really buys into that and they really believe that they could beat Michigan. I think it's a shootout, but. I've been really impressed with the way 
Uh, Utah played against Oregon. I've been really impressed with the way that they've uh, played against their conference. And so, and I got to watch them a lot being out in the Pac-12 this year. And so I I would take Utah in this game. Now, I'm not going to make an argument against Michigan because I think Michigan is supposed to win this game. But me personally, I think I'm going to take Utah and have some fun with it. I, you know, I, I, I have, um, longstanding, I think people listen enough know that <laughs> I'm a Michigan backer. Uh, so this is, a, you know, uh, Chad's analysis is, is right on. Utah's been, been playing really well. Um, I just feel like this Michigan team is, is a team on a mission right now. Um, like I, I would see this be, I'd see this coming down to a last second field goal and one of the kickers makes one. Uh, you know, a, a three-point game one way or the other. I, I will, because I have rooting interests, I will lean Michigan 30, like 30 to 27. But, you know, if, if you came in and, and said Utah wins by a few goal, wouldn't it all surprise me? Like like I said, if they were, if we were seeding the tournament now and it was based on who's playing well, Utah would absolutely be in the field of the Final Four. Uh, you know, if we just did the regular college football playoff and it's like, how have you been playing the last month of the season? Nobody's looked more impressive than Utah. Yeah, it's too bad that, Utah is in the, in the bottom half where we have these two big 12 teams that moved into the top four and Georgia, by the way, we didn't mention Georgia's the first of our real college football playoff teams to lose in this playoff. So we're not going to have, you got to take off now, Andrew. Okay. Andrew's taken off. Chad and I will finish this up. Andrew, real quick. I want to, I want to tell you my prediction on this game. I think that this is the game of the tournament up to this point. I'm going to say Michigan wins in quadruple overtime. We get the two-point fest. We get the two-point fest. (laughs) 38-36. Works for me. Thanks, fellas. It was fun. I look forward to listening to what you guys come with for the end. All right. Thank you very much, Andrew. Andrew Run. He's during his finals week right now. He is a professor, and he's got a lot on his plate. So we appreciate him being able to come by. I thought that this could be the case. I knew we were moving. I wouldn't say we we're moving slow, but we just had a lot of games to run through in this tournament. So unfortunately he won't be here for the end. So it'll just be me and Chad. Hopefully Chad and I are able to agree on some things and not have to uh, strangle each other here down the stretch. Chad, yeah. maybe, maybe I should just let you make your pick for the big 12 unofficial championship rematch because even though Oklahoma didn't play in the big 12 championship, they were right there. We got Oklahoma and Baylor here for the final spot in the final four. Like I said, uh, I think I was talking about Ole Miss could be a future team uh, that shows up in the sec. I think that team for the big 12 is Baylor. Uh, I've read a lot up a lot on Baylor they're starting to make improvements in recruiting. They've worked really well with what they've had, kind of similar to what TCU did about 10, 12 years ago, where Gary Patterson started to get uh, these still mediocre recruits, if you want to say mediocre college players, <laughs> and then he turns them into stars. And I think that's what Oranda has the ability to do down in Waco. And so also Baylor, they won the Big 12 championship, and they're going to play this game with – the most similar approach and they also already have the edge with them uh, over Oklahoma with the regular season win. Uh, I also think that another factor that could play into this is how 
how well is Lincoln Riley going to, or how much is Lincoln, Lincoln Riley going to be into this game? What if he is already thinking, Oh, I'm in, you know, who knows when we keep he actually, talking about it and yet they haven't lost yet. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. They Houston, They beat Georgia. They're Georgia. here. <laughs> right. And of, of course I say this now and then we'll see OU in the finals, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but uh, I, I think at the end of the day, um, I think Baylor, I think Baylor still does win this one. Um, I think if you if they would have had one less uh, loss, if I if they would have had one less loss in the uh, in the regular season, if they would have beat OSU in the regular season, I think Baylor would have had a very very good chance of making the college football playoff. And so, I I, I would take Baylor in this one. Uh, I think it would still be close, just because it is kind of a rivalry. It was pretty much the biggest rivalry besides uh yeah i, I don't even really consider osu being the, a, a big rivalry game with anybody in the big 12 even though they are towards the top but i think ou baylor uh, i i think there's a big future uh well not big future anymore but these next two seasons why they still have ou on their schedule i think uh, these two teams are going to compete really well and so i'm but i'm taking baylor let's say 30 23 Baylor wins. All right. I'm not going to fight you on that. I think Baylor wins this game. They beat they beat Oklahoma earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I think they do it again, even though it's hard to beat a team twice. I think Coach Aranda gets it done here. 30 to 23, the final. And now we have our final four. It, it looks pretty similar to what it is actually going to be. And it's Alabama as the one seed against number four, Cincinnati, number two, Michigan against the six seed Baylor bears. So really the only shakeup would be Baylor coming into this top four, Georgia falling out of it. So we got Bama and Cincinnati. This is a real life game that we're going to see in just a couple of weeks. I think that I see, I talked about this a week ago or yeah, it was about a week ago. I think that Cincinnati is going to have, I think they're going to hang in this game the entire time. I think they're going to have a couple of opportunities where they have a chance to win the game, take a lead. I think ultimately they're going to come up short, but I think it's going to be a pretty good game nonetheless. So I think this is going to be something where you see, I will say Alabama, I'm going to say 34 28. I think that's the final on this game. I think it's closer than a lot of people realize that it's going to be. I think a lot of people are expecting Alabama to uh, wipe the floors with them, but I think it's going to be, I I think Cincinnati will have a couple chances to win the game, but ultimately come up short. I think Cincinnati does come up short as well. I was just very impressed with what, how Alabama bounced back from their uh, non-undefeated season that they had very unusual. Uh, you ne- you almost never see that, and so uh, I think they proved themselves very well against you know the the quote unquote best team in college football in Georgia. And so I think they're still, and especially if you look at their playoff uh, path, I still think they're uh, riding on that the success of their this playoff tournament uh, really well. And so I would I would put Alabama as the winner, but I'd separate them a little bit more um, from Cincinnati. I would go 38, 
17. Uh, well, let's let's go 38-20. 38-20, Alabama wins. 38-20. Okay, let's average that out to 34-24. That's a good score as well. That's kind of uh, a median in between where we have mm. them. Okay, Michigan and Baylor. I'm on the Wolverines. I think we we discussed this with Andrew. I think their team, Michigan, is on a mission this year. I think they get this. I think they get this done. I haven't decided what I think the score will be, so I want to hear your take on this game, Chad. See, I again, like I said, I think this Baylor team has a very bright future, especially. Uh, and once Oklahoma leaves the Big 12, I think Baylor's going to be the team that's going to step up for the Big 12's future. Uh, they they impressed me a lot. I hope Aranda sticks around in Waco well. And, and again, this is coming from a TCU fan. We're supposed to not even like <laughs> Baylor, but I, I really do like this Baylor team. Love them a lot. However, Baylor football has – it's been a long time since they've been in a situation like this, and I, I still think that Harbaugh uh, – in Michigan, I still think that they're gonna they're gonna live up to their name. Finally, I, I think this is a very different season. Michigan has been, you know, they start number five every year, end up unranked. This is such a different Michigan team, though. I've always been that's not that's not entirely accurate. Not unranked, <laughs> start out number five. <laughs> yeah, it's not entirely accurate, but it almost it's happened a couple times. But the thing with Michigan, I I, I think that. Uh, this is a completely different team. Uh, I was against Michigan very early on in the season until they they showed up in their big wins and they they beat Ohio State. They uh, absolutely destroyed in the a Big Ten championship. Uh, so I, I'm taking Michigan. Depending on where this is played, if this is indoors, outdoors, we I, I don't know. I, I guess this would be what the uh, let's see what bowl. Um, it doesn't matter. They yeah, change the matter. polls every year. This is the, right. this is the I, final four. In this I guess game. it doesn't matter. So I, I'm <laughs> taking. Uh, let's see. I'm taking Michigan. I don't think it's going to be super high scoring game because of Michigan's defense. Uh, I think um, Shapin would have a harder time against Michigan's defense as well if he's quarterbacking the Bears. And so I think he has an off game. I think he has the worst game that he has had yet to this um, season. I'm taking Michigan 31, Baylor. 13. Okay. I'll say 31, 16. Michigan 31, Baylor 16. And that sets up our national championship, which I think will be our real life national championship. Hmm. Alabama versus the Michigan Wolverines. I don't know if is it. I should ask you real quick, Chad. Do you think Michigan's going to beat Georgia? That that is very close. The the thing is that everybody wants them to, and I kind of want them to too because I'd <laughs> like to see I'd like to see a new game in the championship uh, rather than an SEC SEC matchup that we already saw two weeks ago and we know what happened. Because if Georgia makes it past Michigan, Alabama is your national champion. Now, if if Michigan makes it past Georgia, then Alabama changes their approach a little bit, and so. I would love. I think that would be such a fun game to watch, but I I think Michigan does have a chance. Uh, I I do think this could be the outcome. Uh, that Michigan Georgia game is going to be one of the best games of the year. 
Um, I think Alabama is definitely going to uh, make their way into the national championship game against Cincinnati. And if this is if this is the case, I still think Saban knows what he's doing. Uh, I, I I don't think this is the year that he falls off of his throne. And so I would go for a college football national championship game, Michigan versus Alabama. I'm taking Alabama 35, Michigan 28. I think Michigan's going to win the national mm. championship this year. Wow. So do you think this will be the game, Alabama versus Michigan, Michigan I think this will. I think this will be the game. I think Michigan is a team of destiny. I think Alabama has shown a lot of cracks defensively. A lot of times, you know, a lot of times they've put up 30 points because they've needed to put up 30 points. You haven't seen them. Yes, they looked great against Georgia, but for most of the year, we saw LSU. We saw Arkansas. We saw there are a couple other games. There are a number of games that were uncomfortably close for me. If I were an Alabama fan, I'd be thinking, you know what? Our defense isn't great. Michigan has a, a really, really, really good defense. They have the ability to run the ball with their two backs that are exceptional. I, I think Michigan's going to win this game. I think that Alabama, yes, they won that game. Yes, Bryce Young won the Heisman. I don't think this is the same type of team as last year where we went into the playoff. Most of us knew Alabama's way better than everybody in this playoff, and it showed. The year before that, LSU went in as that SEC team. We all had a pretty good idea that LSU was the best team out of everybody, and just they ended up being way better than everybody. Both those teams were like, historically great offenses. Bama's taken, I think, a step back from that last from last year. Their defense isn't as great as it was a year ago. Their offense is really good. Bryce Young is is, you know, he won the Heisman. He's fantastic. They got a lot of playmakers as they always do. But I don't think this Alabama team is untouchable. In fact, I do think they're going to lose. And I think it's going to come against the Michigan Wolverines. So I am going to say the final on this game, I will say, let's think, 34-31 Michigan Wolverines, your national champions. I think that's going to be the case three three or four weeks from now when we're watching that national championship game mm-hmm. in January. So since we're on both uh... – we're on opposite ends of this. And I, I would agree with your score. If Michigan is to win, I think it will be one score, maybe a field goal, uh, or, or maybe Michigan gets ahead by a couple points and then Alabama gets a field goal at the end, still three, four point game. But I think Jack, there's only one thing that we need to do to, to actually decide who wins. <laughs> oh. I think we've got to plug it into the simulator. <laughs> oh no, I don't think the shredder is going to agree with me at all. I think that it's going to be all in on Alabama. I think the shredder is going to say this thing isn't close. Uh, and it's too bad that stems not here with me. Cause he would vote with me. I, th- I, 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 I think he would vote certain. Michigan. Yeah. He, he would, he would <laughs> definitely vote Michigan. And I think Michigan would be our national champion. Uh, so h- how about we put it in the shredder and then let it, let's also base off. Like, I, I think, I think it's fair to cast our vote for, for Andrew. 
but I'm also no. We, we'll we'll put it in the shredder. We're gonna put it in the shredder. Okay. I just did, and the final on the national championship game. Do you want to guess what the shredder said, Chad? I don't know. Your tone is interesting because you're not. Uh, you seem like you're pretty happy with it. Maybe I, I, I can't <laughs> tell. Maybe I'm maybe I'm reading you wrong. I just try to keep a straight face. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, is it's it's an acceptable score. I would have reacted and said, "Oh no way!" If it was something that was super lopsided, it's a close <laughs> game. It's a one score game. What do you think it said? What do you think the score is? I, I think they still are picking Alabama, but I th- I would say. Let's go with 35, 30, 33. 31, 27. Mm. The Michigan Wolverines are your wow. national champions. Well, well, look at that. Wow. That's, that, I, th- I think that is acceptable. And that's, that's well, a good, I think, I think, this, is a, this is a good. And also, it's got this, uh, it's got the statistics here because other people run this simulation. This has been simulated over, 1100 times by other people putting this together and Alabama's won 51% of the time. Wow. Michigan's won 48% of the time. So they, the simulator, I, 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 this is where I think that the simulator is probably at its best is with these top teams. Cause they probably put in the most work of these are college football playoff teams. We got to make sure that these teams are right. And at their best, like most accurate. Whereas for instance, we saw Utah State. Just not a lot of not a lot of love for Utah State. They're probably not putting in as much time, and there probably aren't that many people that are running Utah State simulators on this software. So, pretty good score. The simulator, the shredder, thinks that this is going to be a very close game. Either way, it it will be a close game. I. It's. I, I hope that that is what we see in the national championship game because I'd like to see a new matchup. I don't want to watch the same game that we watched two weeks ago, but I. Uh, yeah, I, I would. T- I would take that, and I think it's also fair to say that Andrew would be is going to be happy once he listens uh, to the rest of the show. <laughs> I'm just picturing him listening to this on a run, or wherever he listens to it in his car. And he's got a big smile on his face and he's proverbially jumping for joy at this result. <laughs> the Michigan Wolverines have done it in the Jack, uh, the JFP Jack's football playoff. <laughs> the JFP committee made up of all of us. <laughs> so, okay. Well, you guys aren't the committee. You guys were like the, you were the selection committee in terms of selecting who wins the games, who but wins, not I who guess. plays in the games. Yeah, maybe next right, year, right. maybe next year I can get some guys. You guys can join me. We can try to put a whole field together. A selection day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think the thing that's interesting. So you, you got your whole bracket out now. If you go on to take a look, um, so obviously we still ended up with the top two teams, and I think a lot of people say. No, you shouldn't expand the playoff because this, the two best teams are still going to find a way to get there. But that's the case sometimes, a lot of times, in college basketball. I mean, it was the case this past year. And just because you end up with the same in terms of national championship, I still think this is a way more fun to arrive at those two teams than 
a couple of, you know, a, a, a room full of people saying we think these are the two best teams or these are two of the best four teams and they should play in it. It's more fun to see them actually go out and win and get there. But also, you got a heck of a lot of fun matchups and opportunities for these programs to get on the field. Like you're going to have an opportunity for a school like Northern Illinois to get on a playoff field with Ohio State. I think that I'm, I'm curious, what were your thoughts on this process? Is this something that you enjoyed, Chad? Because I definitely enjoyed it a lot. Well, I, I love March Madness. I, I love the yeah. way that college basketball, and we, we've talked about that multiple times before. And so uh, I, I think this would be great. And as we mentioned, the first couple of minutes of this show, I think we would have to do some realigning with the regular season and the conference. Uh, schedules and even the non-conference opponents, I think that that would look very different because you don't want to have a team like Michigan or Alabama playing 16 games. Uh, and and that, that's a very, that's a very long year, you know, playing from the beginning of August uh, and even practicing in the summer uh, until, you know, they, I mean, that they would be playing as longer um, maybe in some cases longer than, I mean, they'd be playing just as long as NFL teams. And, you know, some of these kids are 18 or 19 years old. And so I, I, I think that you would have to do some realigning, but I absolutely love uh, this for non-name brand schools, schools like NIU, uh, Utah State, uh, Louisiana Lafayette. I think this would be so great for a lot of uh, these schools to increase uh, their leverage in recruiting. I, I think, you know, if because we, we've seen it before, a team like Loyola Chicago, they go on a crazy run of the tournament and then now their program is, has accelerated. Uh, and you know, you, you see schools like that all the time. And I think America roots for that. I think it would be a great thing for college football. It's just that there would be a lot of other things to figure out alongside of it. Yeah. There'd be a lot to figure out. I think that as you touched on, everyone loves an underdog. Everyone loves a great story. And I do think that if the college football playoff had, or if, sorry, if the NCAA tournament had the college football playoff format where you just only have four teams going postseason, Gonzaga, Butler, any number of schools that have built Wichita State, there are a bunch of them that have really built a, a great program that can contend. Like Gonzaga is now as big of a power as Duke is in this sport, maybe even bigger. That would not exist if they didn't have a field that allowed for conference champions to get there. I don't think that you put Louisiana or one of these teams, Northern Illinois, the first year we drop them in the playoff this year, that they're going to, they're probably not, they might not even win a game. They, they didn't in this case. I do think Louisiana would have beaten Oregon, even though our the shredder got it wrong. We should have abandoned the shredder sooner than that. <laughs> But here's the thing. You put them on the field. They play a close game. What does that do for recruiting moving forward? What if Louisiana wins a game this year? What does that do moving forward? Like you've seen teams have a little bit of tournament success and they've been able to parlay it, parlay it into building a juggernaut. And as a result, we have about seven or eight conferences right now in college basketball that have the opportunity to produce a legitimate title contender each year right now you're only looking at four conferences 
five conferences in college football. Thankfully, we let in a group of five team. If this thing were to expand, teams were to, and you get a couple of these teams in there, they do a little damage. They put their program on a national stage. Also, you take away the fact that there are only four playoff teams because right now there are a handful of teams that have a big advantage in terms of recruiting because they're perennial playoff contenders. If you change that, I think over time, it's not going to happen overnight, but over 20 years, 30 years, college football starts to look a little more like college basketball. And suddenly there's a greater, there's a, I'm trying to find the right word for it, but you end up with a more balanced in terms of more contenders outside of just the power five. There's less of a gap between the blue bloods of the world and some of the really strong, what would be mid major teams in college basketball that have been able to essentially become a high major and a contender, even though they play in a smaller conference. I think it'd do wonders for college football and we can go on and on about <laughs> how, how it would change. But I think one thing to also consider is now you can have NIL deals and that's just something we can maybe briefly touch on, but you can have NIL deals for, you know, uh, you know the quarterback of uh, UTSA who uh, leads them, who leads the Roadrunners, you know, on a two or three round win uh, streak. You know, I mean, you could have that and we, we could start to see, I think uh, some of the schools even out a little bit more in terms of their coverage, as well as uh, maybe even financially, uh, some of these lower schools who perform well in the tournament get compensated fairly. And I think the power of some schools and the, the I think the power, uh, the, the possession of power could change over time as we've seen that in college basketball, just a little bit with some of these blue blood teams like Kentucky and Duke having off years, it's possible. Uh, you know, they're, they're not perfect machines. And so I, I think that would change, but like you said, it would take uh, quite a bit of time because I don't expect Louisiana Lafayette to win their first playoff game on a big stage uh, coming out of the Sun Belt in their first season of this format. Yeah, and one more thing that I think would change is, as it's set up right now, I have several friends that are huge NFL fans and they, they're not into college football. And one of the things that's a turnoff for them is they want to see, hey, I want to see... Alabama play Ohio State. I want to see more of those kind of games each week. Now, maybe that doesn't happen if we eliminate, we shouldn't eliminate non-conference entirely, but if we cut out one conference game and one non-conference game, and now you have, you still have two non-conference games, there'd be, there's a version of this thing where, hey, if you go and you play, if Alabama decides we're going to play Ohio State this week, it's not, if you have 24 teams making the postseason, it's not going to change Alabama's playoff outlook if they lose a game in Columbus because 24 teams make the playoff. And now there's a little more breathing room in terms of, yeah, you know what? You could be a three-loss team and get in the playoff. Maybe even a four-loss team gets into the playoff. And that's one of the great things about college basketball is because you open the season up with the Champions Classic. You have the big, you know, the four of the biggest eight programs in the whole sport opening up against each other. And if you lose that game, not all is lost. It's just, it's just one out of 30 games. Now, obviously you're not going to play 30 games in college football, but if you open this field up a little more, you could 
potentially get some more juicy non-conference games. Obviously, Alabama hasn't played any of those games in recent years, but maybe there's a greater maybe there's a greater likelihood of them doing that. Yeah. I think my only fear would be if they're choosing a if the committee who's very high on the big conferences and the power five as of now and today, are they going to pick four teams, five teams from the sec representing uh, the non uh, the non-conference winners? Are they going to do that? Are they going to ride heavy on, you know, some of the better big 10 teams? Are they going to pick, are are they going to do that? And that's something that they very well could. And you could see eventually a three loss team coming from the sec make their way, uh, you know, into the lead eight. And that, that could happen. I personally think that uh, the, the SEC is a great conference, but I would rather see uh, some of these other schools to get mo- more exposure because, I you know, they, they earned it. You know, UTSA only had one loss. I, I think they absolutely earn a shot at making a run for something bigger than what they're being handed because of their position and because of uh, which conference they're coming out of. But I th- that would be my one fear is that we will see the committee make a case for these uh, more historic teams coming from the SEC or the Big Ten, and you'll see half of the field be just maybe two or three conferences. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, that would really be a bummer, and I do think you're right. Like, I think that probably would happen if you take a look at how the committee ranked these teams. Maybe you rework how you what how you select teams. Maybe, like Andrew said, you do some kind of a mix of the old BC, BCS computer type system with the human eye and the human perspective of the committee. I don't know, but you know what? I would love just thinking back on this, like one shining moment, football montage version at the <laughs> end of this thing. What kind of stuff are we seeing in one shining moment here after the 2014 playoff concludes? We see uh, Kenny Pickett, taking down Ohio State, coming up just short against Alabama. What else do you think from this one shining moment video would would jump out at you in terms of like moments, results from this tournament that we just had? I, I think uh, Utah. Uh, I, I liked what we did with Utah. I think Utah showing up as um, go, going on a run that a lot of people uh, would not expect. Also, uh, you know, getting some really good wins throughout the uh, – uh, throughout the playoff uh, process, I, I I think Utah would be a great team that a lot of people uh, that we would remember from this playoff. Uh, Oklahoma and Baylor, the Big 12 matchup, that was one of my favorite things that we discussed and talked about. I think that would be really, really fun. And then again, I mean, the big story, Alabama-Michigan, the number, the one and two team, you have to talk about that. Uh, in terms of our selections, they're still proving that they are ranked number one and two because they made it in the final two. Yeah, but this is well, a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. Absolutely, Chad. We made it two hours deep. Hopefully, this will become a uh, annual tradition here on the Jack Vita Show. Uh, if people enjoy this, tweet at us. Tweet us your thoughts. I'd love to see people print off the bracket, fill it out themselves, and send it. Tweet it at us. I'm at Jack Vita Show, uh, and your Twitter is what, Chad? It's uh, at Chad Botherine, that's C-H-A-D, Chad Botherine, V as in Victor, A-U-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. You can follow me on Twitter. Yeah, so tweet your bracket. Print it off. You can get one at jackvita.com. 
we're right in the we're going right into bowl season right now. I'm excited. So before we the bowls start, it's Tuesday right now as we record. Friday is when the bowls begin. Make sure you guys get in my bowl mania, bowl mania pool. The instructions are there on my website, jackvita.com. If you're subscribed to this show and you show me that you are not only subscribed, but you've left a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, send me a tweet, send me a message on Instagram or Twitter or my Facebook page, which is, again, at Jack Vita Show for all three of those pages. If you've left a five-star review and written the nice little review on Apple Podcasts, and if you are showing me that you're subscribed, send me a screenshot of each year review and uh, the that you're subscribed. If you win the Bull Mania pool and you've done those things, you win $50 and an appearance on the Jack Vita Show. So I want everyone who listens to participate. I know some of you guys have participated in my pick'em pool that we have going on right now for college and NFL, which is going to wrap up in a couple weeks. It looks like me and Stemmer right at the top of that league. So it's really going to end up being a matter of do I have to give 50 bucks to Andrew Stem? And we'll we'll find out soon. But we also did the March Madness one. So if you guys have already showed me that you're subscribed and that you have left a five star review, you don't need to do it again. I know who you are. But if you haven't, make sure you subs- send that over to me. All of the information, the link to join the pool, it's all at jackvita.com. So make sure you guys hop in on that action. It's going to be a lot of fun. Nothing else to add, Chad? Oh, sorry. It, it cut out for a second. Yeah. Um, oh, I'll, I'll just, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll start. Um, yeah. Thank you, Jack. Always a pleasure. And I can't wait to be back on the show. So, Chad, you better play in the Bull Mania pool. I want to beat you. And uh, make sure <laughs> you have a, a great Christmas. Thanks for coming on. And hopefully we'll touch base again here sometime during this uh, bowl season or college football playoff. Uh, we'll definitely have to compare uh, our simulation to what happens in real life because some of these games are going to pan out in real life. So yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm excited to look forward to the Jack. But yeah, thank you so much, Jack. All right. And that's our episode for today's show of the Jack Vita Show. Make sure you guys are all following me on social media at Jack Vita Show. Subscribe, leave a five-star review wherever it is that you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts for a f- five-star review. And... Um, next week, we're going to talk with Brad Culpepper, former Florida, University of Florida star. And I think he played about 10, nine or 10 years in the NFL, defensive lineman. Really good dude. Been texting with him a little bit. Seems like he's pretty amped up to come on. So we'll talk some, maybe a little bit of NFL, and we'll talk about his time playing college and in the NFL and how the game's changed. So make sure you guys are subscribe so you don't miss that and until then i'm jack vita bringing the dancing lobsters <laughs>